Hello and welcome to The World in 30 Minutes, the podcast on the events, ideas and policies that will shape the world from the European Council on Foreign Relations. My name is Mark Leonard, I'm Director of ECFR, and this episode is a very special pan-Italian episode where I'm joined by two of my Italian colleagues who are going to help us try and make sense of what the coming elections in Italy will mean for not just that country, but for Europe and for European foreign policy. So from Rome, speaking down the line, we have Silvia Francescon, who is the head of our office. And in London, sitting next to me, is the Deputy Director of ECFR, Alba Lamberti. So, Sylvia, you've been following this election very, very closely and, in fact, even organised the debate with spokespeople from all of the main political parties. Uh, what do you think the different scenarios are likely to be as we head to the polling day on the 1st of March? Yes, a very interesting question, actually, because uh, the last polls we could uh, have a look at uh, dates back 16th of February. So since then, uh, there are no official polls. Um, the scenarios could be anything, in the sense that uh, you, in order to win the elections, uh, whatever coalition has to reach the 40%. And uh, today, it seems that uh, none of the coalition, uh, or even the, the five-star movement, can reach that threshold, which means uh, that the scenario could be uh, again, anything. We could have, uh, you know, maybe the centre-right can win, can reach the 40%. So I what, doubt which part is that the, in the centre-right? Yes, the centre-right is made by Berlusconi's Forza Italia, by Matteo Salvini's North League, and by Fratelli d'Italia, Brothers of Italy, of Giorgia Meloni, which is a far-right um, party. So this is uh, the center-right coalition, and altogether, uh, so far, maybe close to 36-38%. So, I mean, history teaches us uh, that the polls in Italy never worked. Uh, so we cannot really say they won't win, but we cannot even say okay. that uh, they will win. So scenario so two would be what, a grand coalition? The scenario two, which is uh, the most likely one, would be a grand coalition between uh, Berlusconi, Sports Italia, and uh, the Democratic Party, together perhaps with uh, uh, its allies, uh, meaning... Uh, more Europe uh, and the centre of uh, the Democratic Union. So more um, Europe is this new party list which has been created by Emma Bonino, which um, yes, yes, okay, who's one of the co-chairs of ECFR. I should say, <laughs> full disclosure. <laughs> yes, for transparency. <laughs> but um, yes, this is the most likely scenario. But and what, so, what did what did these that, opinion polls a couple of weeks show show the for that, that coalition? Uh, well, the, this uh, coalition, I mean, Forza Italia is given today around 18%, and the all uh, center-left is given uh, around, uh, altogether, uh, 26%. Uh, so that would mean that uh, Berlusconi says goodbye to Matteo Salvini from the North League and to Giorgia Meloni from the far right, 
and join hands and uh, power together with the centre-left. Okay. That could be an option. Okay, but we so should also take into consideration the ones who are leading the polls uh, not to be in a coalition, without being a coalition, like we cannot call it a party, but there's a movement. The Five Star Movement is given today around 28, 29. So, of course, you cannot ignore them when you have... Uh, to to make a government. So that's, uh, if they, so that's your third scenario, that there's a five I mean, the third, I mean, we, you can have many scenarios. Uh, some even say that uh, the Five Star Movement could go together with the North League, and all together they could reach the 40%. That could be a pretty much a Eurosceptic uh, uh, government. Uh, it's an option. I don't think uh, is uh, the most uh, plausible so that, one. So that's the sort of populist. But there coalition. are speculations also about it. Okay, so that's four different scenarios. Yeah. So if you had to rank them in terms of likelihood, do you think the the most likely scenario would be? Actually, maybe we could ask Alba for for that. Well, how would you rank these different scenarios? Those four. Um, I mean, I think Sylvia gave a really good description of the fact that. Uh, there is a lot of uncertainty about elections. Um, so what she said about the grand coalition between, between Democratic Party and Forza Italia is the most likely. Uh, on one hand, I find that uh, very credible, as it could be the formation of some kind of centre-centrist uh, platform, which is more pro-European and would bring, therefore, elements from both uh, the Social Democrats and the centre-right with Pure Europa, and you could see how there could be a coherence to that. But I think in the, to assess it as the most likely option seems to me quite dangerous territory because uh, for, for the reasons that Sim was explaining and what the polls number told us a few weeks ago, um, you know, Five Star Movement is still uh, the largest uh, part in terms of popular support, uh, at least uh, you know, in the run-up to the elections, and uh, there is a high likelihood that Northern League would do really well, and therefore the possibility of a coalition, which was the whole coalition between Northern League and Forza Italia, becomes you know the new government. Okay, so you think if you had to to rank them one to four, then maybe we'd get both of you to do it, so we can we can. Uh, we did this to your German colleagues. We, we went back to them, uh, to them after the election as well and got them to, to see how badly wrong they got it. And I, I did it for the Brexit referendum and had to eat a lot of humble pie as well. So if you had to, you, Sylvia, you thought the most likely is the, the Grand Coalition. The second most likely is the Berlusconi um, uh, right wing, centre right coalition. And then yes. the third most likely is what? The, the populist coalition. With the yes, even though I think start. the head of state, we have to take into consideration that there is one single entity, runner, uh, which is reaching pretty high level, uh, and it is the five-star movement. I don't think uh, we can sideline the five-star movement because other coalitions um, make it through the, 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 and, and get the majority. Okay. Um, we have to watch out what really is happening there. I don't think they will uh, give up. And actually, most probably, the head of state will have to call them first uh, in order 
to to make a government. Um, let me also say something about the centre-right coalition. At least I sense that this is very much an electoral coalition because if you look at their positions on several issues, they are really divided. And also, if you think that Berlusconi has mentioned uh, Mr. Tajani, the current president of the European Parliament, as a premier candidate. And uh, of course, uh, that uh, how can this uh, get along with the North League uh, uh, Euroscepticism? You see, um, you have a more European Berlusconi against uh, someone who is uh, softening, if you want, some of the language about Europe that was used uh, some time ago, but still is pretty much a Eurosceptic. So really, it's going to be diff difficult for them to stay together after the elections or okay. even more to govern the country. I'd like to go into where the parties stand on different foreign policy issues, but before that, it's Albert's chance to, to rank the different scenarios. Um, <laughs> okay. For me, the most likely scenario is the um, centre-right coalition. And then I would rank second this option of having a grand coalition between the Democratic Party and Forza Italia. Okay. If I can maybe add, um, looking at the Italian elections from afar, uh, from London, some of the things that um, have struck me about uh, the debate, uh, let's say, in kind of European circles about it. The first thing is um, the growing anxiety about Italian elections and their potential meaning and implications for um, for the European order, and in particular, obviously, not very veiled references to uh, what this would mean or about for the equilibrium of the Eurozone. Secondly, I registered, and I have to say, I uh, find myself among the many people absolutely stupefied by the incredible comeback of Silvio Berlusconi to Italian political life and to the fact that he's now unanimously considered the moderate voice in Italian politics and is in fact described as possibly the saviour of these elections. And then I guess thirdly, something that uh, is very close to my heart and I follow with a lot of enthusiasm has been the you know, the, the formation and relatively recent appearance of this new uh, political movement, uh, More Europe, Pure Europa, which is led by M. Bonino, who has managed to galvanize a lot of the uh, young voters, and I would say uh, a lot of the Italians abroad voters. And so I'm looking forward to see um, how they would score in the elections and really hope that they manage to uh, bring a lot of their energy and progressive ideas to the Italian Parliament. Okay, so um, why don't we have a look now at some of these different parties and what positions they're taking on, on different issues. Um, I mentioned before that ECFR got together with, with a couple of other Italian think tanks, uh, the EI and ESPI, to, to do a, a debate on, on foreign policy and where uh, Silvia was one of the moderators, and, and they all got to ask the the, can, the spokespeople from the main parties um, key questions. So maybe we can go through some of these questions, and maybe um, the two of you can can answer uh, on different topics. But why don't we start with a kind of big picture vision on Europe? I think uh, this is uh, the most prominent question because uh, the way you relate to Europe uh, also. Uh, decides basically the way you relate it to the rest of the world. 
And uh, let's say that uh, what I perceived from that very interesting debate we had uh, just a week ago in, here in Rome is that uh, I've noticed uh, a much smoother, um, softer language by both the North League and the Five Star Movement. It seems that leaving the EU or leaving the Eurozone and the Euro is, uh, is not an option anymore, neither for the North League nor for the Five Star Movement. So the closer we get to the election, the softer uh, the positioning become. Um, still, uh, uh, there are some uh, differences, uh, huge differences. Um, North League uh, uh, believes that uh, so far we had a too Germanized Europe. So my understanding is that uh, they would have uh, pretty much of a confrontational behavior in Brussels uh, and, uh, and with Germany too. Whereas uh, the Democratic Party and uh, more Europe are pretty much focused on regaining credibility and uh, having a plain a protagonist role in Europe together with France and Germany. And in order to do so, they also uh, put in question domestic policies uh, and the huge amount of the public debt, etc., etc. But the main point for them is uh, to be part of that uh, engine that is represented by Germany and France. Uh, again, uh, um, for other, uh, like the Five Star Movements, uh, pretty much critical uh, on Europe, on this uh, precise uh, shape of Europe, but still uh, uh, it looks like, I mean, I, we didn't hear about uh, uh, the Euro referendum, the referendum on Europe anymore. So that's, uh, you know, they are becoming more institutional, if you want, in terms of language. Um, both the Democratic Party and more Europe uh, are really looking for um, a finance, uh, European finance minister and are very much along the lines of Macron policy. So, as I mentioned before, stick to Europe, stick to Macron, stick to Germany. Okay, so uh, the differences have narrowed, but it will make a big difference for, for Macron if he gets uh, a grand coalition. Totally. So what about, should we go to more classical foreign policy issues? What are the big issues where Italy has, has traditionally been out of step with uh, uh, a lot of uh, Eastern European um, opinion is on Russia? <laughs> um, <laughs> does uh, the prospect of a new government threaten to change the balance on, on how to deal with Russia, Alba, what do you think? Um, very much so. I think this is the foreign policy issue where most likely uh, there might be quite a rupture with the current status quo. Uh, bearing in mind that Italy has always been a very re recalcitrant uh, adopter of the EU policies with Russia in terms of sanctions uh, in the context of the Ukraine crisis. 
but it emerged very clearly from the debate that Sylvia and our colleagues in Rome chaired that uh, if there was to have uh, a government with a centre-right coalition, Northern League in particular, the one has been incredibly vocal uh, about the need to remove uh, Russia sanctions almost at any cost, and there is you know a number of foreign trips on the record of Northern League uh, representatives uh, to Moscow and other places in Russia to show support. And uh, the Five Star Movement also has a similar position and tries to present um, an artificially balanced position in talking about the need to remove Russia, sanctions against Russia because the EU has no sanctions in place against Ukraine. So this is the level of the argumentation that is used. Um, but um, equally, in more in line with um, the Italian foreign policy tradition, has always been uh, of close relationship with Russia, and therefore quite sympathetic to the Russian cause, um, also on the Democratic Party, um, and uh, even in you know in some of the most pro-European voices, there's always been a recognition that Russia is an indispensable partner, and therefore that the conversation around sanctions need to be managed in a way that. Um, allows for continuation of good relations, of political discussions, of engagement, and they gradually would see in a in the near future a time where sanctions where sanctions are no longer the the policy vehicle that is used at the European level. Okay, so should we look at some of the other issues? One of the other kind of, uh, big topics uh, in all European elections now is migration. How do the different parties line up on migration? Yeah, you know, it is true, it's very much a part of uh, the political campaign. As I, as you said, in many other countries, it has been and will be. Um, I think uh, we can see some uh, closeness, if you want, uh, on the positions, in the sense that uh, there, are, there is uh, some criticism on the previous uh, governments by, say, the Five Star Movements and the North League, especially on the migration compact, the, the way it was handled, is mainly by the Reinsys government. There is more appreciation for the work that uh, the Interior Minister, Mr. Miniti, did uh, on migration. So even the North League said they, they, they do support that kind of action that Miniti put forward. And of course, uh, the Democratic Party... So do you want to, for people who are following it as closely, do you want to say in one sentence what, what the main elements of Miniti's approach were? It was much more a stringent uh, view. I mean, you know, uh, through uh, the government, Renzi's government before went to Europe and asked for solidarity. Um, then the government changed. Italy realized that it didn't receive uh, any or just little solidarity by the other European partners, and therefore it uh, basically ran alone. Uh, the way they did it was uh, making uh, agreements uh, with uh, the country of origin. Uh, one of these uh, is, of course, Libya, but we know that in Libya there is not a stable government at all. It's a completely different situation than uh, in Turkey, for example, where, the, where there is a fully agreement with Erdogan 
on uh, you know keeping three million people uh, especially Syrians in Turkey this is not happening for Libya of course it's much more of an unstable government uh, besides, uh, you know, the wording, we support the Saraj government, etc., etc. So basically, they went, uh, they had to uh, make agreements with uh, the local tribes uh, and in order to keep migrants in Libya. The point is that uh, because of this instability of Libya, that situation really is uh, very much worrying in terms of uh, human rights conditions. Um, it has been said by human rights watchers that uh, it is uh, something beyond what is uh, imaginable. And uh, therefore, some uh, parties, including the more Europe, uh, led by Emma Bonino, really complained about uh, this uh, system of keeping the migrants away. Whereas, of course, this was very much appreciated by others, like the North League. We received uh, like a clear answer at our event by the representative uh, from the North League to the Miniti plan. And where does the five-star movement stand on migration? Well, uh, they think uh, there have been a lot of mistakes in terms of geopolitics in the past. Uh, still, uh, they think uh, migration has to be managed. Um, it is a softer uh, view than uh, the North League ones. Uh, still, they criticize uh, Miniti and uh, they think uh, uh, these kind of agreements uh, should have been brought forward much earlier and then there is a necessity to also add um, you know, funds to international cooperation and um, and development. Okay, so another big topic, like the counterpart to, to the free movement of people, is the free movement of goods and globalization. Yeah. Alba, do you, do you want to tell me where the different parties stand on that? Uh, some of the issues that uh, we try to tease with the candidates and the foreign policy spokespeople uh, that were part of this event that we organised in Rome uh, were about uh, their vision on uh, Europe's role international trade and globalisation and in particular how should Europe position itself between the new um, uh, trade policy of the United States and a much more uh, assertive China. And um, I think, again, uh, some of the positions that were presented were nuanced, but uh, do not uh, hide completely uh, the very different worldviews that the parties um, actually represent in terms of uh, their leaders' visions, but also some of their electorate, for sure. <laughs> so on the pro-European side, uh, so the Democratic Party and Europa, you have a conversation which is about how Italy within Europe and um, Europe uh, at the moment um, is still struggling to assert itself as a kind of major global power, but obviously only can aspire to be um, an equal player if it, um, if it has a policy which is coherent and if member states work together towards the same goals. And in particular, vis-à-vis uh, -vis, uh, this threat of new economic barriers and um, obstacles to free trade, which they are both advocating. And on the other side, outside would say movement and the League um, depict a, a very different um, perspective, which is um, 
in my opinion, quite in tune with the broader um, nationalist agenda that they're trying to project, which is about um, Italy and, and the Italy story and what's good for Italy and how Italy should, um, if need be, um, take a different route from its European partners, uh, whether there is um, vis-a-vis the options of attracting more Chinese investments in Italy, uh, or whether it's uh, about having a different policy uh, compared to its European counterparts on how to face migration. And uh, I think that plays very much into um, you know, some very um, old and profound uh, eradicated uh, insecurity of middle-sized country with the syndrome of the seat at the table, wanting to have a place, and therefore um, that's where they um, play very much on uh, on the role of Italy, vis-à-vis France, and the complaints about the German Europe. But at the same time, I think really show um, the vacuity uh, of this approach in terms of Italy's potential and in terms of um, Italy um, place in Europe and how Italy can work with other countries to achieve um, their goals. So Sylvia, you had an hour and a half to go through all of these topics. I mean, those are three quite big baskets, Russia, foreign policy, migra- uh, sorry, Russia, migration, globalization. Were there other topics where you found a really big difference between the different parties? Um, not really. We found some unity, actually. Uh, if I may say a few words, uh, in this specific, uh, on this specific issue of globalization and free trade, we could really perceive uh, how the North League fell in love with the Trump vision of America first, and is uh, very much uh, the same uh, feeling they have uh, for Italy first. And there has been also some uh, debate between the North League and the current uh, Minister for Development, um, sorry, for Economic Development. Uh, the North League is very much uh, in favor of putting tariffs um, of course, uh, the economic uh, development minister reminded that this is uh, a European must be a European position. And you don't really put tariff yourself uh, as a member state. But besides that, you can see uh, how much they are struggling in getting Italy first. And um, this is the sentiment I think that you can also. Uh, sense out of uh, our work uh, on uh, on cohesion that our colleague uh, Josef Janning has conducted. And it says a lot about where Italy stands today in terms of uh, uh, willingness uh, to engage in Europe. Uh, there is a very much this sentiment of Italy first. And, uh, and this has uh, repercussions also on, uh, on foreign policy. We noticed, uh, however, some unity. Uh, if I may say, all these differences uh, were interesting to look at uh, because uh, there is this mantra in Italy that whatever government you have, you will see continuity. Actually, this debate we had in Rome uh, illustrated uh, the contrary, that uh, depending on the result of the elections, you may have uh, different uh, approaches uh, to foreign policy, and we have mentioned uh, some of them today. 
Um, I could see a lot of unity, for example, on a very important dossier for Italy, which is Iran. All uh, the representatives of the different parties uh, said that uh, the nuclear deal must be preserved, must be defended, and that uh, the cooperation with Iran is of extremely importance. Uh, that was uh, crystal clear. Okay. So it sounds like the catastrophic scenarios that people were talking about a few months ago of Italy withdrawing from the euro have kind of uh, disappeared, but there still could be quite a, a huge difference in approach between these different governments. I suppose the other question, which maybe we should end on, is what kind of government are we going to see? Is it going to be one that's quite introverted and Italy-centric, not just Italy first, but uh, Italy alone, to paraphrase the Trumpism? Um, or is it going to try and play a role in leading the European Union um, and will therefore have an impact on the balance of power uh, outside of its borders? Maybe, uh, Albert, you can give me a, a, a word on that and Sylvia as well before we, we bring this podcast to a close. Thank you, Mark. Um, I'd like to think that whatever government is in place next week in Rome, that there will still be the ambition uh, definitely for Europe, for Italy to play a role at the European level, a bigger role, a more meaningful role, a more constructive role. I agree uh, very much with Sylvia's description of this um, Italy first uh, slogan that seems to be uh, having captivated a lot of um, the collective mind in Italy, but um, even on the uh, northern big side, as you know, on the kind of centre right, let alone on Five Star Movement, where I, I don't think it's very clear what it is they want to achieve uh, outside of Italy. I, I I feel that there will there'll always be the ambition um, to uh, you know to to matter at the European level, and I think therefore that. An outcome where there is um, very little clarity on presidential elections, or even worse, where Five Star Movement uh, has wins by uh, by landslide, uh, will uh, provoke um, very sceptical reactions from European partners about the possibility of actually working with Italy constructively. And what about you, Sylvia? Can you also maybe one thing we haven't talked about is who the prime ministers will be under these different systems. <laughs> Maybe yes. Maybe like names on the different on the different coalitions as well. That's where they'll be strong or weak. <laughs> yes. Yes, we can go there. I second uh, what Alba said. Definitely, Italy wants to play a role in uh, in Europe. I think the question is how, and there is going to be the difference, the real difference. Are you going to play in a constructive way and create the alliances, namely with France and Germany, in particular? Or are you going uh, to Brussels in a very confrontational mode? That would make uh, a huge difference. And uh, I mean, past relations have shown that uh, being confrontational has not uh, uh, made the interest of Italy and the Italians. So uh, let's see if uh, the new government can learn from experience, from previous lessons. On names, you know, there is a name that seems to satisfy, make happy both Berlusconi and, of course, the Democratic Party. There are rumors for, you know, 
keeping uh, Gentiloni as prime minister. Uh, and um, there is another figure which has been uh, pretty much uh, outside uh, and he's not even a candidate. Let's see what kind of government we're going to have is the current uh, Minister of Economic Development, Mr. Calenda. I'm not sure he will gather the interest of other parties, but it's a name that circulates. Um, maybe the most likely is Gentiloni. And of course, uh, Berlusconi has put forward the name of Mr. Tajani, as I mentioned before. And that, of course, is another name uh, that could gather consensus. The president of the European Parliament. And who yeah. would the five-star, if, if there's a populist coalition between the five-star... It's Di Maio. I mean, uh, they, they, they have... Uh, Even yeah. if it's with the Northern League, would you think you'd have two... Uh... I think uh, because, absolutely, yes, because uh, they are much uh, ahead than the North League. As I said before, the five-star movement is around 28, 29. The North League is around 12, so of course uh, there so, is a predominance of so the five-star Italy five could movement. end up with a younger prime minister than France. But if you, if you it could be. I mean, if it's <laughs> the five-star movement, uh, is of course uh, Di Maio. That's another interesting thing. I think one of the difficulties that the Democratic Party encountered in these elections is that, let's say, and it's very unlikely, but that the center-left uh, wins or wins together with. Still, you don't know who's going to be the prime minister proposed by the Democratic Party. Is it going to be Gentiloni or is it going to be Renzi again? So people really don't know who is running the Democratic Party today or who has more power today. Um, because, of course, the Renzi is the general secretary of the Democratic Party, but it seems to be very unlikely that he will be the uh, you know, the proposed premier. So that's, I think, is one of the weaknesses the Democratic Party had in this campaign without being very um, clear on who is going to be their candidate premier. Whereas the Five Star Movement actually today presented uh, a most, I mean, a big part of the list of the ministers in case of a five-star movement uh, government. Okay. And, uh, no, so it's been it's been absolutely fascinating discussion. I think we covered quite a lot of ground. Well, I, what we need to do now is uh, wait until 7 p.m. on the 1st of March when the first exit polls come out and we can see which of your scenarios is most likely to, to happen. Um, in the meantime, do go to our website at www.ecfr.eu and you will see some of the things that our colleagues have been writing on it. And I think immediately after the election, we're also going to be posting a few from the capitals to look at how the rest of Europe sees the new developments that are coming out of Rome as uh, we know more. But for now, from Silvia Francescon in Rome, Alba Lamberti in London, and myself, Marlene, it's goodbye.